Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today we continue our study of the second book of Kings, that is Malachim Bays. We are at uh, in the middle of chapter 10 as we read of the path of blood and murder and mayhem that is being left by Yehu as he zealously avenges at least what he perceives to be uh, what, what God wants, the vengeance against uh, the house of Achav, the house of Ahab, after he um, executed the king of, <clears throat> after he assassinated Yehoram, the king of the north, and assassinated Ahaziahu, the king of the south, then assassinated Izebel, the queen mother of the north, then he went on to kill the 70 descendants, the 70 descendants worthy of kingship um, of Ahav, of Ahab, and Shomron. He had their heads chopped off. Then he went and murdered all of the nobles, all of anyone that was even acquainted with the house of Ahav, anyone that had power in the house of Ahav. Then he went and murdered the entire family of um, uh, anyone even remotely related to Ahav. And then he went and killed of 42 relatives of Ahaziahu, the king of the south, but it's not over yet. Vayelech Misham, and he went from there, Vayimsa et Yehonadav ben Rechav, Likrato. And he found Yehonadav, Yehonadav ben Rechav, who was a Kani, a descendant of Jethro, um, he found him um, a coming Likraso, who was coming towards him Likraso, to greet him by and, and he blessed him by and he said to him, Hayesh et im Are you clear with me? Are you good with me? As I am good with you. In other words, are you gonna be loyal to me? Are you with me? Or or maybe you're coming to fight with me, right? Where where's your heart? Yes and yes. In other words, I am with you just like you are with me. Give me your hand. He gave him his hand. And he brought him with him onto his chariot. Yehonadav ben Rechav is famous for something that happened uh, a couple hundred years down the line in the time of Yermio, in the time of Jeremiah, long after the northern kingdom is gone. The descendants of Yehonadav ben Rechav had, um, uh, at that time, had, had already moved into Jerusalem, which at this time is part of the southern kingdom. And uh, Yirmiyahu praised them, and God praised them for their, uh, for their abstention from wine, and God used them as an example of loyalty because their ancestor, this, this Yehonadav ben Rechav we're speaking about here, um, told them to abstain from wine, and they kept that custom for years. And God then criticized the Jewish people for not, for not abstaining from the prohibitions that God had given the the, the Jewish people. But this Yehonadav here is now um, teaming up with Yehu, um, and it would seem that this is because Yehonadav sees Yehu as an opponent of Baal, right? opponent of the pagan god Baal and he is therefore and he sees Yehu as the instrument of God which on a, on a level of course he is 
uh, to destroy and get rid of Baal from the people of Israel. So, Vayomer, and he says, iti, come with me, and see my jealousness, my zeal for God, and he had him ride in his chariot. <laughs> this um, this zeal for God, <coughs> which we see in this verse here, is a very um, reminiscent verse of Yehu talking about himself as if he was Eliyahu. Because this was a term that, of course, Eliyahu had used as well, right, in, in his zeal for God, right? And Yehu thinks of himself now, this zeal, this mishuganess, <laughs> this craziness that he has, which is causing him to bring about such wanton destruction and murder, his, is now, in, in his mind, zeal for God. So now Yehu is going to go and take a step against Baal, and we're about to read how that's going to happen, and he has an ally, Yehonadav. So it's hard to know sometimes whether we should be sympathetic to Yehu and his goals, because his goals on some level seem to be laudable goals, getting rid of Baal and so on. But on another level, they, they, they are highly, highly questionable, to say the least. And it's similar to what we found with Elio when we discussed Elio. If you go back to those podcasts, we discussed, you know, Elio had had disproven Baal at Harakarmel. He had a tremendous victory, but then, without having been requested by God at all, Elio then went ahead and had all of the Nevi'ah Baal, the prophets of the Baal, slaughtered, rather than even making an attempt to 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 convert them, bring them back. If you recall, that is in contrast to just several chapters ago when Elisha. Elisha had the chance when the enemies, the people of Aram, were there. They 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 were trapped, and and um and and helpless. And the king wanted to kill them because they were the enemies. Uh, Elisha said, "No, that's not the way you treat the prisoners of war. You treat them nicely. You give them to eat and drink and send them home, right?" Um, but here we we see differently. Uh, we see a different kind of behavior. Now Baal is again on the run. Right, Yehu is taking vengeance for God. He has killed out the entire family of Achav, right, because of their adherence uh, and their, um, that, you know, and because of their allegiance to Baal. But then he continued to go on. Vayavo Shomron, he come, he came to Shomron. Vayachet Kol Hanishorim LaAchav BeShomron Ad Hishmido, and he struck down all of those that remained for Achav. This is. The third time the verse says he struck down anyone remaining, which means there were still a few remnants remaining. The death and destruction continues despite the fact that the house of Achav has been for the most part wiped out. If there's anyone left that had any connection, he killed them too. By the word of God, as he had spoken to Eliyahu, and I, I would venture to suggest that that um, that fulfilling what he thought was the word of God that was spoken to Eliyahu. And now Yehu gathered the entire nation and he said, Achav the king, he served the Baal a little bit. He was just a, a minor a worshiper of Baal. Yehu, I'm going to be an even better worshiper of Baal. I'm going to show you how to worship Baal. Now Yehu is doing this, as we'll see in a moment, to trick the people into gathering in honor of Baal and then to get to then slaughter anyone who supports Baal. However, um, this tactic is highly questionable because Yehu now is going to have to pretend to worship Baal. Is this a legitimate tactic? 
Uh, you know, this is um, a highly questionable tactic if one can, go, you know, can do that in order, I mean, you know, you can think for yourself, is, is this a legitimate tactic, you know, to go to make, to worship Baal in order to to destroy it rather than tackle it head on? Uh, I'm not so sure that it is legitimate, but let's see. And now, all of the prophets of Baal, anyone who serves the Baal, and any of the priests of Baal, Kiru Eli Ish, Right, Kirilai, call them all to me. Don't leave anyone out. Because I have a great um, uh, a sacrifice I'm going to give to Baal. Anyone who um, who um, who who's 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 not count, you know, who doesn't come. In other words, who counts among those who does not show up will not live. Yehu was doing this in a sneaky way. Not because he really wanted to worship Baal, but because he wanted to eventually destroy the worshippers of Baal. <laughs> I make a, uh, make a special occasion, call out and sanctify a special day, a holiday for Baal. And they went and they called a special holiday. That's what all of these prophets of Baal did when they gathered together. Yisrael. <laughs> And Yehu sent messengers across the entire Israel, the entire nation, the northern kingdom of Israel, and all of those that worship Baal came. There wasn't a single person that didn't show up. And they came to the house of Baal, the temple of Baal, and the entire temple of Baal was full end to end. And he said to the one who was in charge of of keeping the garments, the garments that were in the temple of Baal, which were worn, the worshiping garments. He said, Bring out clothing so that all the worshippers of Baal can wear clothing. And he brought out all of their clothing. Presumably this would identify those who worship Baal and differentiate them from those who don't. And Yehu and Yonadav ben Rechov came to the temple of Baal. And they said to the Baal, right? um, Look around. Is there anyone here that worships God? Right? We only want real pure, real Baal worshippers. Get rid of anyone who worships God. I only want people that are faithful to Baal alone. It's amazing that they, they didn't have suspicion what was going to happen, but okay. Really, they really didn't have a choice, to be honest. That would probably explain it, because if they would have left, then Yehu had already said that he would have had them killed. So they came to make all kinds of sacrifices and, and, um, and offerings. And Yehu placed 80 uh, guards at the doors to the temple of Yomer. If any one of these people leaves, those people that I'm bringing here, uh, you know, to you, nafsho tachas nafsho, right? The um, if 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 any one of a person escapes, then the person who allowed him to escape will be killed. In other words, do not allow any one of these people to escape. Was when he finished bringing the sacrifice. So here you have Yehu actually bringing a sacrifice to Baal in order to fool them. Highly questionable activity. And then he said to the um, to the guards and to the uh, and to the officers, "Bohu hakum, 
Come strike them down. Do not allow a single person to leave. And he struck them down by the sword. And then he sent, after they struck down all of those people, then the guards and the officers went into the inner sanctum of the uh, of the temple of Baal. And they took out the 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 altars and the our matzevos here. It's naturally not matzevot. It, the way it's the way it's written is matzevot, which would more like mean the support pillars, and 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 burnt them down, or maybe not support pillars, but pillars that were built for like honor, uh, you know. As part of the worship structure of the Baal, Vayitzu et Matzevasa Baal, and they smashed the pillars support the pillars of Baal. Vayitzu et Beis Baal, and they smashed the entire temple. Vayisimuhu lemotza os arayom, and they turned it into motza um, os, which is a, uh, a a place people go to the bathroom. They left. They made it a latrine. Uh, uh, until today, it remains a latrine in Samaria. And thus Yehu destroyed Baal from Israel. So the goal is laudable. The method by which he achieved that goal, uh, not so. But, um, and, 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 and case in point is the verse we're about to read. Don't think Yehu was such a great guy because the sins of Jeroboam, of Yeruvam, that he made the people of Israel sin. The one who made the golden calves and the temples of the golden calves, even though those were officially dedicated to God, but they were something that God absolutely did not want. Lo sar Yehu me'achareim. Yehu did not take them down. Eglehazov, the golden calves, which were in the two locations of the temples, Asher Beit El Asher Bedan, which were in Beit El and Dan. Now, Vayomer Yehu, Vayomer Adonai El Yehu, and God said to Yehu, Yan Asher Hativosa. Because and 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 the commentaries point out the traditional commentaries say when it says God spoke to Yehu it doesn't mean they spoke to him directly, because Yehu himself was not a prophet. Although the simple meaning is that he actually did speak to Yehu, in which case he might actually have been a prophet. That would be the simple reading. Others, but but often we find. Um, the verse saying God spoke to so and so, and but it means, and it's clear from the context that it means through a prophet. So here it could mean either one, but the commentaries, of course, explain as I said, through a prophet, which uh, the, the traditional rabbinic interpretation is that's the prophet Jonah. But um, Yana because you have done good to do that which was good in my eyes, like everything that is in my desire, you have done to the house of Achav. Therefore, the uh, for four generations of descendants, Yeshua Lacha Akise Israel will sit for you on the throne of Israel. Now, this is a very curious verse because this is there's a lot of backhanded things in this verse that stand out. Number one, it says here that because you have done good in my in my eyes to the house of Achav, but what about all the other people he destroyed? The children of the brothers of Achaziahu, those that weren't part of Beis Achav but were just Miyuda Av, just those that knew him. What about the killing of the of the priests of Baal, which he just did? What about the 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 um uh, anyone who was Krovav? We said anyone that was even close or influential in the 
in the kingdom of Ahav he had killed. Um, there's a lot of people that a trail of death that weren't base Ahav, right? So God is clearly only complimenting him for part of what he did, not all of what he did. And then within this blessing remains also a curse. God is also telling Yehu that, and, and telling him that it's only B'nai Rivim. Four generations your house will stand. Right, if you recall, so in, in when that was said in regards to Omri, the house of Omri, that was a curse. Only for only four kings are going to be, but after that, you're going to be destroyed. So Yehu is going to be no better than the house that he just destroyed. Right. In other words, maybe had you behaved yourself and done what you're appropriate, you might have remained the king of Israel forever. But because you didn't, right? Therefore, the kingdom of Israel under the house of Yehu is only going to last for four <coughs> generations. So there's a slight compliment here, but a very careful, careful compliment, which is much more of a criticism than a compliment. In other words, Yehu, yes, you did what you were supposed to in killing the house of Ahav, but you went way overboard, and therefore you will not be founding a dynasty that lasts forever. <coughs> um, and then... As we continue, we learn Yehu lo shamar Yehu did not uh, keep lolechus b'torah Adonai lo Yisrael. He did not. He was not careful to go in the path of the Torah of God, the Lord of Israel, b'chalavavu with his whole heart. In other words, he went his own way. When a person goes with that kind of zeal, he ends up going way off in the wrong direction. Lo sor me al He did not change the path of the sins of Yeravam asher hachtiyus Yisrael, who led the people of Israel on the path of sin. <coughs> and therefore in those days God began the destruction what ultimately ended up in the complete destruction of the northern kingdom God started to katsos, to cut away to chop away to, to cut down the kingdom of Israel and Chazoel the king of Aram who was appointed by Elisha um, started to strike down and started to attack all of the boundaries of Israel. So Yehu had a tough time, and in his time began a serious decline. Min hayardein Mizrach Hashemesh, he struck all around, from the Jordan to the, um, to the east, Gilad and the land of Gilad, which is up towards the farther north, in the area of the land where the uh, across the Jordan where the tribes of God, Ruvain and Menashe lived, all of these areas were being struck by the armies of Aram, the armies of Syria. So that's all we know about Yehu's kingdom. We heard how he came to power, but then when he was in power, it was a big mess and the beginning of the end of the northern kingdom. And if you want to know more about Yehu, this is not a history book of Chalashar Asaf and all the things that he did and whatever power he had. Go read the history books. Go read the chronicles of the kings of Israel. Yehu died together with his fathers. He was laid to rest. And he was buried in Samaria and Shomron. And Yehoahaz, his son, became king after him. The entire length of the reign of Yehu over Israel, was 28 years in Samaria, which was the capital. 
And this concludes chapter 10, but I do want to point out something <coughs> before I go to the podcast I promised you where I'm going to review a bit of the story of Yehu. And that is, is that in this entire story, Elisha, the prophet, is completely silent. There's no word about Elisha, which is very unusual. Yehu goes ahead and brings about the destruction of the house of Ahav, which you would think is the final revenge of Eliyahu, who was Elisha's mentor, right? The, God gave Elisha the job of putting in place uh, Hazael, the king of Aram, who was going to be bringing about the destruction of Ahav, right? To put in place the um, Yehu as the king who was going to destroy the house of Ahav. In fact, Elisha's appointment was in the context of God telling Elio how the revenge was eventually going to be taken against the house of Ahav. So Elisha's entire career was in many ways established in order to bring about the house, end of the house of Ahav. But when it actually happened, Elisha wasn't there. I wanted to bring that about because that's how I'm going to lead into the next podcast where we're going to discuss this whole story of Yehu, what it means and what happened and what we should take from it, what lessons we should take from it. Thank you so much for studying chapter 10 with me together. Looking forward to studying um, the rest of, <coughs> of the book of Kings together. Have a wonderful day.